Good evening. Reading from Proverbs 4, page 638 of the Church Bibles. That's 638 of the Church Bibles. Get wisdom at any cost. Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. For I too was a son to my father, still tender and cherished by my mother. Then he taught me, and he said to me, Take hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands and you will live. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom, and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Though it cost all you have, get understanding. Cherish her and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honour you. She will give you a garland to grace your head and present you with a glorious crown. Listen, my son. Accept what I say and the years of your life will be many. I instruct you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. Hold on to instruction. Do not let it go. Guard it well, for it is your life. Do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evildoers. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn from it and go on your way, for they cannot rest until they do evil. They are robbed of sleep till they make someone stumble. They eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. The path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. But the, the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. <clears throat> Above all, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. <clears throat> Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. Amen. Good evening. Perhaps keep your Bibles open. Page 638. If uh, you're using the church Bibles. And uh, let's pray before we start. Lord Jesus, there's lots in this passage and we need your help. So we just pray this evening that your spirit will be at work uh, using my words in our hearts. Amen. Verse 5, Solomon says, get wisdom. And he says the same again in, uh, in, in verse 7. It's a bit like uh, Mrs. Beaton's 1861 rabbit pie recipe which started first catch your rabbit 
Actually, it didn't. It's one of the famous misquotes. But it, it's, it's the idea behind this passage. If I, if I fancy rabbit pie, I need to do something. I need to get my rabbit. And of course, I don't have one handy. Uh, rabbits don't jump into our laps, do they? We have to go and get our rabbit. And Solomon says the same sort of thing about wisdom. He's saying wisdom isn't our natural condition. If we want to be wise, then we need to do something. And it may surprise you, but this idea of wisdom is more important than rabbit pie. Verse 13, Solomon says, wisdom is life itself. And that's because, as, as we've heard in, uh, in other sermons here, wisdom in this book is all about living God's way in God's world. It's, it's not just about being clever uh, uh, and bright. Now then, if K.O. were given the task after this service to go and get a rabbit, well, actually, the simplest way to do that, subject to Sunday opening hours, uh, is to pop down to pets at home and ask for one. And they will get a rabbit. Whether you could then put it in a stew, I don't know, but there we are. That's what you can do. Now, in a way, you can overdo rabbit analogies. In a way, living God's way starts in exactly the same way. We just have to ask for it. Jesus says, ask, and it will be given. Now, that may sound a little bit too simplistic. And, of course, asking for wisdom is actually a huge decision. And it has huge consequences, eternal consequences. And it's going to affect every part of our life. And I think that's why Solomon hammers on in this chapter about how important it is. Look at the... Uh, the verbs from verse 4. Uh, if you've done your grammar, verbs are doing words. Verse 4 onwards, just trundle through the chapter. Uh, we get words like take hold, keep, get, get again, love, watch. And then the beginning of wisdom is this. There we go again. Get wisdom. Though it cost all you have, says Solomon, get it. Solomon, of course, did exactly that, didn't he? 1 Kings 3, do you remember the story? God comes to Solomon and says, whatever you ask for, you're going to have. And Solomon could have asked for riches. He could have asked for fame and honor. He could have asked for anything. But he puts into practice what he's saying here, doesn't he? He asks for a wise and discerning heart. So at that point, Solomon's given up everything to follow the Lord and to know God's heart. 
Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure a man discovered in a field. In his excitement, he sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field and get the treasure too. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a pearl merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. He discovered a real bargain, a pearl of great value. He sold everything he owned to purchase it. You see the similarity? Solomon talks about a life of wisdom. Jesus talks about life in the kingdom of heaven, living our lives as we were meant to, as God's children, as God's friends. And Solomon characterizes us, you look at verses 16 to 19, he characterizes us as righteous or wicked. Now, that sometimes feels a little bit uncomfortable. Sometimes perhaps we're a little bit more comfortable with how Jesus talks about us. Jesus talks about us as being like sheep and goats or, or weeds and corn. And you'll notice, one of the, we don't quite get this in this country, do they? But sheep and goats in most countries are very difficult to tell apart. And the wicked and the righteous are not easy to tell apart. But what both Jesus is saying to us in that story and Solomon is saying is that there is a difference between a godly life and a godless life. And a godless life is one of darkness and doubt. And of course, those of us who don't know God who are not Christians, we don't think that's necessarily true at all. And Solomon recognizes that, doesn't he? He says, verse 16, they do not see what makes them stumble. Folk don't necessarily understand that they are living a wicked life, a godless life. But then we get the flip side. Trusting his God, Solomon says, is like living in the sunshine of the perfect day. I wanted to quote a bit of Lou Reed at that point, but his version of a perfect day was all about sangria and walking in the park. And that really isn't at all, is it, what Solomon has in mind. He's talking about that life of walking with God as a friend, that life with a bright future. That life on promise for each one of us is we choose to accept it. Now, very excited, getting very high-tech in the Baltry household. I've got the little app. And I have not been able to understand why I haven't been getting saving any money. It's just all very well having the app and waving it around and feeling very high-tech. But not a thing. No discounts, no nothing. And someone had to point out that actually what I have to do, and just in case anybody else needs to know this, uh, you have to activate the offers. Very exciting. This Thursday, I got myself my first free bakery product. Whoa, wasn't that great? There was an offer. And I had to do something to accept it. Solomon says, we have to do something. 
the offer of life, the offer of wisdom, the offer of that life with God is there, but we need to get wisdom. We have to respond. Jesus says, uh, come to me. And it's clear. You read the Gospels. Some people reject Jesus. John 1 very clearly says that. Some reject. Some believe in his name. And those who believe in his name become children of God. And Solomon might have added, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. It's a wonderful picture of what's on offer when we turn to the Lord Jesus. So we've activated our app, we've chosen a pearl or whatever. Two things are going to follow on from that decision. Two things are going to be with us for the rest of our earthly life. And they're both talked about uh, in this passage. Um, First, we started a new life. We're on a new path in life. And that's going to affect every single part of our lives. When we turn to God, when we trust in Jesus, when we get wisdom, we become a new creation. Here's a man some of you will recognize. Uh, He wasn't dressed up like this probably last time you saw him. Raniero Cantalemesa. He's uh, features in Alpha. Wonderful little book he wrote called The Sober Intoxication of the Spirit. Uh, And in that he says, we cannot pretend to die to this world and then just carry on as before. We have to change our ways, he says. And, and the point of verses 20 to 27 is that if we want to get wisdom, if we're trusting in the Lord, then there is no part of our life that is untouched. There's no part of our life that can be ignored. Now, here's a mystery. I don't understand this. American rugby rugger players seem to have to wear an awful lot of gear. They do seem to have sort of virtually full body armor on to play the game. Whereas English rugger players just get by with a gum shield. Now, I don't know what that's all about. Rob might be able to explain it to me uh, later on. But as Christians, We need to follow the American model. Solomon is saying here, put on the full armor of God, not just a gum shield. We won't labor the points, but you can run through the verses. Verse 20, turn your ear, he says. So we listen to God's words. Verse 21, guard your heart, he says. So we think about what we think about. Verse 24, watch how you speak. I guess he'd say nowadays, and how you type. Verse 25, don't get distracted. Hebrews 12 puts it differently. It says, fix our eyes on Jesus. And then verse 26, keep on the path, keep going. I think we all know that sometimes our our Christian walk feels a little bit like this. It feels uh, precarious and uphill and hard work and scary. And Hebrews 12 says we fix our eyes on Jesus and it also says we strengthen feeble arms and weak knees. 
So when we get wisdom, when we enter the kingdom of God, every part of our life will be affected. So it's no good sitting here taking Bible notes and, 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 and notes of the sermon and, and, and being very religious, but resenting the person sitting next door to us, is it? It's no good if we have a reputation for kind and gracious speech, but actually we're behaving badly when we get back home. I mean, we all do that. Of course we do. We all behave like that. But that is not the way we are to behave. Christian life reaches into every part of our life. Now, of course, the strange thing is that we start off with Solomon as, as a role model, but he doesn't follow his own advice, does he? He asks God for wisdom, but by the end of his reign, by the time he get to 1 Kings chapter 12, his heart, we're told, had turned away from the Lord. And it's a warning that even the wisest person, even the most enthusiastic Christian, can wander off the path. When Judith and I first got married, we went to a Baptist church in, um, uh, in Earls Hall in, in um, South End. Wonderful preacher, wonderful minister. Uh, we were there for a few years. Just after we left, he had an affair with another lady and left and lost his faith completely. And those things are difficult to process, aren't they? Someone who is so enthusiastic, so wise, can wander off. And you look at a story like that and you look at uh, what happens to Solomon and you say, well, well, what hope is there for us? Well, of course, the great news is that we're not walking up this path on our own. Psalm 62, maybe one uh, Solomon should have, should have read, Psalm 62, verse 11 says that the power belongs to God. He is on our side. He's walking with us and he is in us. Now, I see that Costa are now doing something that you might think is awful. Uh, they are now selling hot milkshakes. Now, anyone knows that hot milk is something you drink on a sort of wintry day before you go to bed, and a milkshake is a summery thing you have on the beach as a treat. So how on earth can you stick hot milk into a milkshake? And the answer is, I don't know. Uh, they're incredibly expensive, but apparently they are wonderful. Well, Costa may have put hot milk into a milkshake. God has done something even better and perhaps even more costly because he's poured his spirit into our lives to give us the power to live for him. Christians literally are the anointed ones. We are anointed with the spirit of Christ. Yeah, we have the full armour of God. But when Paul's talking about that full armour, he ends by saying, and we pray in the Spirit all the time about everything. We are relying on the Holy Spirit. So as we work through that list, and it's a good list to reflect on, uh, and there are some things to think about in the small group notes, uh, let's not just see it as a list of things I've got to work out really hard. Let's instead, or also, 
say, yeah, we rely on the power of the Holy Spirit, our indwelling spirit to help us. So that's one thing that happens. Our lives change. Um, the second thing that's going to happen is that we are going to start telling others the good news. Even if we don't feel up to it, we pass on the news, the news of God's wisdom, the promise of the kingdom. And we're sort of going backwards, really, because it's the opening verses of this chapter that really look at it, uh, tell us that, didn't they? So, um, these are the Proverbs of Solomon. We know that from the beginning of the book. But he didn't write them. He didn't invent them. Look at verse 4. It tells us he got them from his father. And we know from uh, chapter 2 and from here that he also got them from his mother. And we know about Solomon's family. His son, Rehoboam, succeeds him to the throne. So, Passing on God's wisdom is a sort of family business. And that means very practically for those of us who are parents here, that we teach our children. That is a straightforward biblical principle. You'll find it right the way through scripture. Joel 1 is just one example. tells us tell our children and for our children to pass it on to the next generation and so on. You know, there are some things we dread talking to our children about. I remember my parents saying, have you had sex education lessons at school yet, Donald? And very, very relieved when they, I said yes, uh, because I don't want to talk about it. Let someone else talk about it. Well, we can't outsource telling our children about the Lord Jesus. That is our responsibility. And of course, whether we have children or not, that is still our job. We teach and we model the Christian life to the next generation. And in a very practical way, that might mean getting involved with young people's work here. That might be something that you have time to do or you feel that you could help to because it's a biblical injunction that we pass on God's wisdom to the next generation. Or maybe we feel we're a bit more like Solomon in his later years. Maybe we feel, I can't do this. Maybe we feel we're just not great examples. One of the regular instructions I got from my dad was this. He used to say, don't do as I do, do as I say. And I used to think that's a pretty awful thing to say, isn't it? How hypocritical. Don't do as I do, do as I say. And yet, there is a truth in it. God's wisdom, living out our life for God, living God's way, that is actually beyond each one of us. And it's beyond, K.O., your wonderful parents to live the perfect life. And it was certainly true of this family uh, we've got on screen. Um, These are sort of more modern images uh, of them over the last uh, 10 years or so. But but if you went through the family, uh, David nowadays would probably be on the sex offenders register. Bathsheba, we've heard from my father. My mother would have described Bathsheba, I think, as a scheming little minx. Uh, Solomon becomes a sort of millionaire sex addict uh, and Rehoboam starts a civil war 
It's a pretty uh, disastrous family. So Solomon citing his family here might seem a bit much. But to some extent, at that point, we're focusing on the wrong thing. Because what's important is the message and not the messenger. Our parents, our teachers will get it wrong. We will get it wrong. We are sinners. We're flawed. Solomon got it wrong. But that does not mean that God's word is wrong. It doesn't mean to say we're naive. Of course, we're going to test what we hear and we're going to look for the fruit, fruit in people's lives. But our teachers, our parents, our ministers are not perfect. They never will be and neither will we. And it's because we're not perfect, of course, that our Lord Jesus came. He is the one person who was perfect. Colossians 2.9 says that everything of God is expressed in him. Jesus has shown us God's wisdom in action. Jesus ate the bread of wickedness and drank the wine of violence for us. And here's the thing. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, only comes to us through this deeply flawed family. You know, there's only one other place in the Bible where you're going to find David and Solomon and Bathsheba and Rehoboam lined up like this. Don't need to turn to it, but if you did, you'd find on page 967, Matthew chapter 1 starts... This is the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Verse 6. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother was Bathsheba, and Solomon the father of Rehoboam. And then another 26 generations later, we reach Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is the Christ. These flawed people passed on God's words of life and were also used by God to sit in the family tree of the Lord Jesus. God not only uses the wise but the foolish and the white weak. So we might mess up but God uses us and his word is still faithful and we can still point people to Jesus. Emmanuel God with us. Which means let's go out, catch some rabbits, buy some pearls, activate our vouchers, let's ask and receive. Let us receive Jesus into our lives. Let us receive the power of his spirit. And then we press on, guarding our hearts, telling others shining ever brighter till that perfect day when we are with him in glory.